Hello, young adults. How are we doing tonight? You guys good? Yeah. All right, good. It's good to see you. It's good to be alive in Colorado on the brink of summer on Life Group launch night of all nights. It's going to be a good night. Just a, just a heads up, uh, this sermon might be a little shorter than normal, but before you whoop and cheer, thanks for not. I appreciate that. Um, it might be a little longer than normal. I really don't know. We have no idea what's going to happen. So, yes, get excited. I've been praying and praying and praying for this night. I have high hopes that tonight is going to be moving and memorable in a lot of ways. I believe that tonight some of you might take a risk and sign your name on a little sheet at the Life Group launch to take a first step to building relationships and friendships that honestly could last you for the rest of your lives. I really believe that could happen. I've been praying for that to happen. While we're on the topic of prayer... Let's do it right now. You like that transition? Pretty good. Thank you. Bow your heads. Heavenly Father, God, God, we love you so much. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, God, that you choose in so many ways to exercise that goodness towards us. In so many ways, God, that probably a lot of ways we don't even thank you for because we don't even realize it. God, thank you for being so good and so awesome. I pray, Father, that you would quiet our hearts and quiet our minds to hear your truth tonight, God. I know just from the content of this message um, that this is going to hit home and be personal for a lot of us, myself included, tonight, God. So would you prepare us to hear your truth? We love you so much and pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so we are in week one of our new series, Silver Linings. There it is. Let me tell you how it came about, and then I'll tell you what it's about. A few weeks ago, we were huddling as the uh, young adult staff trying to figure out what the next series was going to be, and the topic of tough stuff came up. And by tough stuff, I I simply mean this. The more and more conversations you have with young adults on a Thursday night that go deeper than just the small talk level, you're very very quickly going to find out that there's a lot of painful and difficult things going on in this room. I mean, everything from ourselves and family members and friends being sick to us losing loved ones to unemployment to being connected in one way or another to divorce or split families or breakups or anxiety and depression or stress on crazy levels. I mean, the list just goes on and on, and the pain is very, very real. You're either in a painful and difficult season of life right now, or you just got out of a painful and difficult season of life, or you're about to go into a painful and difficult season of life, and that's not meant to scare anybody or be a damper on the night. That's just the reality of the fact that we are fallen and broken people who live in a fallen and broken world. Nobody's going to argue that. Just turn on the news. We're fallen people. We live in a very, very broken world, and the pain is real. In some seasons, it's a lot more real than others. And so let's talk about it. It's reality Let's unite tonight under the fact that all of us experience and go through hard and trying times, man. We are all in this together, and we need to understand that not only does God have our backs in this, but we have each other's backs as followers of Christ in a world that's not following Christ at all. We have each other's backs. Let's talk about it, and let's call it silver linings, because although reality would say that pain will inevitably inevitably play a part in all of our lives, there is a reality above that that says God is over everything, that God is entirely composed of love, and God is, is somehow in control of everything, even in the seasons where it seems like he's not, because evil and suffering was never God's plan. It was never God's plan, but it is now reality. It's a huge part of the Bible, and nobody would argue that it's not. Genesis opens up with the account of how evil and suffering entered 
into our world. Every single book pretty much in some way or another deals with pain. Uh, The book of Psalms right in the middle of the Bible literally has a prayer for every single difficult situation that you'd ever find yourself in the middle of and it's gritty. And the Bible is brutally honest about the troubles and tribulations that we face in this life. And if you're in a painful season right now, man, the prayers in the Psalms can be like healing balm for your heart and for your soul. It's so good. So the Bible does not, um, does not scare away from the issue of pain, but it was not God's plan. Sorrow was never God's intention. Evil um, is the outcome of the human race using our free will to make choice after choice after choice to choose paths and roads that lead us away from a good and loving God. And the greater, the much greater story of the Bible, the meta narrative of the whole thing, is the story of the creator of the universe who conquers evil and reconciles everything back to himself. And so that's what we're going to tackle. Before we dive into it, I just want to give two disclaimers. Number one, this is not going to be an apologetic sermon where I, where I explain the existence of a good and loving God while evil simultaneously exists and how that works and what's going on in the universe and in the mind of God. We have 30 minutes. I can't do that. I don't think I could do that with 30 days. Um, And I don't think God needs or wants me to do that tonight. This is not going to be an apologetic sermon. If you're wrestling with those kinds of questions, I will say this. There are better answers out there than simply just have more faith or stop doubting. There's better answers answers written by brilliant men that I believe God put on this planet to be thinkers and write their thoughts down so that we can all benefit from it in brilliant books. So I would, I would point you in that direction. That's number one. Disclaimer number two is the last thing I want for this to be is, is cold comfort. For anybody in here tonight who's going through something really painful right now, um, and for me to stand up here and be like, hey, smile, because God's got a plan, and, and, and so you're fine, because that does nothing if you're in the middle of a tough season. Um, Matt Chandler, I quote him all the time, but I'll, he makes a joke um, about like that person who shows up at your door like minutes after your, your whole world just blows up, and they say, hey, you know, it's actually probably a good thing, because in Romans chapter 8, um, it says that God works out everything for the good of those who love him, you know, and you're like, dude, I just got broken up with like 30 minutes ago. I don't need you to tell me that right now. I need to be angry. I need you to be angry and mourn with me on this, you know? God works out everything for the good of those who love him. Just want to punch that dude in the face and say, well, looks like he's going to work that black eye out for your good since you love him. So we're both benefiting from this verse. Thanks, bro. Appreciate that. So that's not what I want it to be. Those are the two disclaimers I have. Here's what I want to do. I feel like God has put something very specific on my heart to share with you guys. And when the big man says, hey, Doug, share this, I share this. And that's how it works. So tonight, I simply want to bring to light the ultimate silver lining that has entered into the broken world that we live in, Jesus Christ. Surprise, surprise. Because rather than sit above this whole thing and watch this broken, painful show just play out, Jesus interjects himself into the middle of the story, into the middle of the pain, and subjects himself to grief and sorrow and suffering to the point that the Bible literally says in Hebrews chapter 4, there is now nothing going on in any of our lives that he can't now relate to relate to, excuse me. He suffered the ultimate pain when he hung on the cross. And I'm not talking about the the physical or the emotional pain of being beaten to the point where you're unrecognizable as a man and then nailed to a cross and being um, spat on and mocked at in front of your friends and family. I'm not even talking about that pain. I'm talking about the absolutely 
unimaginable spiritual agony of going from being in complete unity in oneness with God to all of a sudden being completely separated and forsaken by him as every sin in the history of the universe was piled on his shoulders in one moment as he was crushed on our behalf. And I'm so glad that he did it because in doing so, he won the ultimate victory on our behalf to reconcile us to him. The God who is truly, and I don't say this lightly, is truly all that we need because the message of the gospel is not that we accept Jesus and then God comes in and he makes everything easier and better and more comfy and more cozy for us. The message of the gospel is that regardless of what season you're going through, no matter if it's clear skies and sun or if it's the darkest, scariest storm you've ever seen, no matter what you're going through, you get God. You get him and he is enough regardless of what happens. Look at John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, this is Jesus talking, in this world you will have trouble. Not if, it's when. You will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. It's like the ultimate one-upper. Oh, you got an A on your test? I overcame, I overcame the world. Great. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I want to tell you this. So a few uh, years ago, I met my wife in Boulder and um, asked her out. She said yes, and we had pizza, and then we started dating, and that's the short version of it, and somewhere in this room, my wife is rolling her eyes right now, and uh, we started dating, and then a couple months into that, I moved to Laguna Beach in California to take a youth ministry job, and uh, so we immediately go into the long distance thing right away. Anybody doing the long distance deal right now or ever have? A few of you, yeah, it sucks. There's really no better way to say it. It's just not fun. And although my first month in California was pretty fun and pretty much consisted of me surfing and playing basketball on the beach with a bunch of high schoolers for youth ministry, you know, suffering for the gospel. It's for youth ministry. Um, financially, it was really, really tough because I made $0 a week and uh, my bank account slowly dwindled from like 60 bucks to 20 bucks that month. And I know that's only 40 bucks, but that was like two-thirds of what I was worth. <laughs> In the world's economy, not God's. Don't worry. Um, and on top of that, my car broke down, which happens at the most inopportune times. Can I get an amen to that? Anybody else? Car trouble and having a relationship be long distance are in the same crappy category as each other. I don't know what that category is, but um, anyways, anyways, all right. One month into my time in California, Sam came out to visit me for a long weekend, which was awesome. Took her surfing. We did the whole long walks on the beach thing, classic. And one night I splurged and used my last $20 to take her to Buffalo Wild Wings to watch the Broncos game, which she was all about, which was a good sign. Very good sign. Long story short, the weekend was epic, and uh, it, it ended so quickly, and it was so sad, and I drove her to the airport, and um, she wiped away the tears from my eyes, and, um, and we parted ways, and I drove to the gas station on empty, barely made it to the gas station, went up to the attendant and prepaid like $6 to get $6 worth of gas or something like that. Go to my car put the nozzle in my car, sit down in my front seat, pull out my cell phone, and I've already got a few messages from Sam like, I miss you so much, baby, sad face, sad face, sad face, heart, 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 kissy face, kissy face, kissy face, kissy face, kissy face, kissy face. 
And I'm not kidding, I realized in that moment, and I'm not making this up, I realized in that moment in my car at a gas station in Laguna that I was in love. I did, thank you. I was expecting that. The tank in my car might have been empty, but the tank in my heart was full to the brim. Let me tell you what. Thank you. I realized, I realized that not only was I in love with this girl, but I knew that I knew that I knew that she loved me back. I mean, how could she not? I was looking for affirmation, not laughs, but I'll take that. That's fine. Thank you guys very much. So I... <laughs> I knew, I knew that she felt the same way about me. I loved her. She loved me. Let the butterflies commence. So I texted her back like, babe, I miss you too. I miss you too. I put the car in drive and I pull away from the spot and I hear a boom from behind me because I forgot to take the gas nozzle out of my car. And I ripped the hose and a lot of the pump out of the pump and destroyed the pump. Has anybody else ever done that? I see three of you. That makes me feel good. Thank you. That's all I need. I'll see you guys. No. And I thought about making a run for it, but I didn't because I'm a Christian. I'm kidding. I'm not that good of a person. But I went inside and I told the attendant and he was furious at me. And I was like, dude, I'm in love, man. It's okay. It's all going to be fine. And he... <laughs> He was like, no, that's going to cost thousands of dollars. And so that was cool. And so I left all my info with him, got in my car and drove home. And do you want to know what I didn't think of one time the entire drive home? It was the pump that I just obliterated. Didn't think of it one time the entire drive home. All I thought of the entire ride was that I was in love with a hot girl who loved me back. It was like, oh, is Sam still going out with me? Oh, check that box, yes. Okay, I'm doing fine. Regardless of whatever else is going on right now, and it's all kind of going to pieces right now, I'm doing okay, and that was the only thing that mattered to me. And here's the thing. She didn't fix the gas pump, okay? She didn't fix all the problems with my car. She didn't hand me a wad of $100 bills to fill up my bank account with. She didn't do any of those things. But none of the car and money stuff really mattered anymore because I was in love with Sam. And because of that, I was okay, even when nothing else was really going okay. And God is saying, and I know this is funny, but God is saying, man, multiply that by a million, and that's what you can find in me, that regardless of what season you're going through right now, no matter what is going on, it's okay. You can fall in love with God in a way that everything else just kind of fades out, no matter what is going on. Even if the list of things that you'd like him to fix, believe me, I have my list, does not get fixed in the way or the time frame that you'd like it to, it is well because Jesus Christ is back from the dead. And because of that, we get God. Now, does God give gifts? Absolutely. God is the ultimate giver of gifts. For God so loved the world that he gave the ultimate gift and paid the ultimate price, but I'll quote Chad Brugman here on this. God gives blessings and God gives gifts, but God allows seasons of desert to happen that develop the character within us to, to, to sustain those blessings and gifts that he gives. And I want to show you this, um, an ultimate example of this in the Bible. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and go to Philippians chapter 4. Um, this, is, this is super cool what I want to show you. This is the Apostle Paul who is writing this, and I want us to do our absolute best to put ourselves in the Apostle Paul's shoes, because if ever there was a man in all of history who understood hardships, it was Paul. And while you're on your, on your way to Philippians right now, I will read for you um, something that Paul wrote about his life, a little bit of his testimony out of Second Corinthians real quick. So go ahead and go to Philippians. 
Whatever else, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in 21, by the way. Whatever else anybody dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? Okay, so am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I've received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. You've seen the passion of the Christ when Jesus gets flogged? Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. How do you get shipwrecked three times? Like, if I'm on a ship and that thing goes down, like, I'm not getting on another boat, man. Shipwrecked three times. I spent a night and day in the open sea. At night in the open sea, you can't see Anything and there's sharks swimming underneath you. Try to put yourself in his position. In danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. That's not, oh, I got a bad night of sleep last night. Or this week was finals, so sleep was hard. That's, no, because of some circumstances, I have literally been kept awake for days. I have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. And now Paul is sitting in a jail cell in Rome, iron handcuffs around his wrists, digging into his skin day and night. His bed is a cold, hard, damp floor, falsely accused away from his friends, beaten daily, not knowing when or if he's getting out, not knowing when or if he's going to be executed. And in this moment, in the midst of a brutally challenging season of his life, Paul writes this letter to the church in Philippi. And we're going to pick it up in chapter 4, starting in verse 4. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, to whom I love and long for, my joy and crown stand firm in the Lord in this way. Dear friends, that's not what I'm writing if I'm in Paul's position. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice and let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love this. Skip ahead to 10. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned, and and listen to this right here, for I have learned to be content. Whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Other versions say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Let's just put that verse up up there and you can keep it up for a while. So here we have one of the most famous verses and also one of the most misrepresented verses in the entire Bible. And there's a lot of misrepresented verses in the Bible. And you'll oftentimes get this quoted to you by guys who just won the game or a girl who just got a big promotion or a guy who just landed the girl. Oh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But did you notice the context of 
this verse. Paul said, hey, no matter what the situation or the season I find myself in, no matter how awesome or absolutely painful it is, whether I'm well-fed or I'm hungry, if I'm sick or I'm healthy, if I'm rich or I'm poor, if I'm free or I'm sitting in a jail cell, I'm okay because I have Jesus. It can be well with me. I'm okay even if I'm not because I have Jesus and I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Scott Nickel, he's the uh, teaching pastor up at Flatirons Church, and he explained it this way, and I love this. When you watch the Super Bowl, oftentimes the media, they head into the winning team's locker room after the game to interview some of the star players, and a lot of times you hear this verse quoted, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God wanted my football team to win this game, you know? I can win, and absolutely, like winning falls under the category of all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but after they're done there, they head over to the losing team's locker room and then interview some of the players there and ask them, you know, you just lost the biggest game of your life. You've been working towards this. You've been dreaming about this since you were a little kid. How do you handle a loss like this in the offseason? And how cool would it be if just once you heard somebody say, I, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can lose the biggest game of my life and be somehow okay with it through him who gives me strength because that would actually be consistent with what Paul is saying to us in this verse. Hey, I'm gonna fight. I'm gonna work harder next season. I'm going to pick myself up and keep going because I believe bright things are on the horizon for me. But right now, in this moment that I find myself in, even though I'm not, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So you know what? I'm okay. And in case you're in here tonight and you have this verse tattooed somewhere on you, I didn't just ruin it for you, I promise. I had a guy talk to me about the verse like, oh, so it's all for nothing? I'm not like, no. If anything, this verse just became a thousand times cooler. Anybody can be healthy and praise God. Anybody can win the game or get the promotion and give the glory to God. It's not difficult or impressive to, have, to be joyful and give the glory to God while everything is going your way. You want to know what is a lot more difficult and a lot more impressive than that? It's when you can, with total integrity, in the midst of the hardest season of your life, conclude somewhere deep down in your heart that although things are not okay, and truth be told, you, 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 I'm in pain right now, and I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, and I don't know how long this is going to go for. In that moment, somewhere at the deepest level of your soul, when you can somehow be well, because you know that you get God, that the ultimate battle the ultimate victory has been won. Jesus is yours, and you can do all things through him who gives me strength. I want you guys to see this video real quick. Uh, my name is Anna. I'm 23 years old. I grew up in a Christian home, um, but it wasn't until I was 16 that I got baptized, and I really started... Um, a real genuine relationship with God, just really calling out to God and just not just hearing about His goodness and His greatness, but just wanting so badly to know that and to know Him on a personal level. Last year in April, uh, I, went to, I went to church on Sunday, on Sunday morning, and I was feeling a little dizzy. I woke up on a Monday and I, I opened my eyes and um, I couldn't see. I didn't know what time it was. I didn't know it was morning because I couldn't see the sunlight. Um, I couldn't really see my room. I just, I was confused. I thought it was maybe like two in the morning. I knew I was eventually, like I didn't know it was gonna happen so quickly, but I knew something like this would happen. But um, I mean, that's just, we didn't even go see a doctor because it was something we already knew would happen maybe. 
but it was just so um, sudden. I can see, I guess the best way to describe it is it's all like dark. <laughs> and then I can see a little bit from the bottom of my left eye. I can see color and contrast, uh, which Praise God for that because it's better than complete darkness, I think. So I just try to be grateful for that. It's humbled me a lot because I used to be a very independent kind of person that would like to do everything on their own and I don't know, I like being self-sufficient. I honestly thought that God was going to heal me like very soon after I lost my sight, but um, I guess God had other plans and then it was after a few months that I started, and this is what it is, I started focusing on myself instead of focusing on God's will and on Christ. And that's when I started being mad with God. And I was like, look at me, God. I was like, I was like, I, I trusted you. And I, I told a bunch of people I'm going to get healed. I was like, what am I doing? I was like, I'm not doing anything with my life. I'm 23 years old. What do I have to show for my life? I have an uncle in California, he kind of took me in for a month or so, and that was really encouraging to be part of that and his family. I just had a lot of time to think, and then one day I got up and I was like, wow, I have been selfish, and this is not where I need to be because the only thing I'm doing is I'm basically holding God off on doing what he has planned to do with me because I'm not allowing him because I'm being bitter and sad, and I'm not allowing his um, spirit to work through me. I believe 100% God's gonna heal me. And it's, um, this is like one thing I've learned in the past year, not to allow my bad experience to, not to allow my bad experience to develop an empty philosophy or a doctrine that doesn't completely align with God's word. So, I mean, if in the Bible it says by his stripes you are healed. God has prospered me internally in such an amazing way. It's the joy He puts in me, um, no matter the trials, no matter what I go through. Um, it's like, it's a surpass of anything. Also, the peace that I have in Christ Jesus, um, I think that is amazing. And that is, I do consider myself a prosperous person because of peace and joy and all these gifts that I do have from the Holy Spirit. Never take your eyes off Christ. Like, no matter what, um, keep your focus on Christ. Don't don't look at yourself, because that's what I did, and it's, it's not a good place to go. But keep your focus on Christ, and um, always know, always know that um, He's with you, and He has a plan for you. We represent Christ, right? So, um, Whatever we go through, that's in our attitude, and whatever we do, that's us representing Christ. It says in the Bible, honor God and He will honor you. So through trials and difficulties, um, it is the absolute truth that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But no matter how strong we are, no matter how wise we are, no matter how good looking we are, our life is like the morning fog. It's here for a little while, and then it's van it vanishes. So I think it's um, realizing that it's not, it's not by, we can't make it on our own. We can't make it in our strength because our strength is gonna fade. So I think it's just realizing that through Christ, I can do all things, uh, no matter what. He is the one that empowers us and gives us strength.
and renews us. And yeah, that's it. Amen. <laughs>
a little bit more on fire. And then about once every 10 to 14 days, it'll be so bad that like, like I won't be able to see straight during the day and I won't be able to sleep at night. It happened two nights ago and I spent the whole night just either in the shower with my head under hot water or um, on the floor in my living room, just restless in too much pain to, to fall asleep and, and, and wondering why God wasn't taking it away. And I've prayed for years, and I've had hundreds of people all around the world, and I'm not exaggerating, pray for my headaches for years, for God to take the pain away, and so far, he has not. He could, could do it, but so far, he hasn't. Now, understand this, and you gotta get this. He did not cause this. Not only do I just believe that, I know that. God did not cause this pain, but he could have stopped it. He decided not to. He could take it away like that. And for some reason, he's decided not to. And why, like, does that mean that God's mean? Absolutely not. I mean, there's some nights where the pain will get to me and and I'm human and this is fine. And like, I'll just think that and I'll let my emotions get the best of me. But I can't with any sort of intellectual or biblical integrity say that it's because God's mean. Because of the cross. And here's two things that I do know. Number one, like Anna, I know that one day he's going to heal me. I believe that with all my heart. I hope it's sooner than later. God, I hope it's sooner. Number two, like Anna, I know that spiritually I would not be where I am now without this season of pain that I've walked through over the past five years. I just would not be. It's reality, and so I have to say it. There's been nothing over this past year, five years that has grown me the way that this head stuff has grown me spiritually. The way that God has moved and worked in my heart to instill a peace that transcends understanding and joy that survives even the hardest and most painful days. Man, God is in control. God will allow evil, and and I'm quoting Timothy Keller here, a brilliant pastor from New York City. God will allow evil, not create, allow evil only to the degree that it brings about the very opposite of what it intends to bring about. And I promise you, choosing not to believe in God or choosing to be mad at him is not going to make any season of pain any easier. I promise you that, and for proof that God is good, for proof that God is for you, for proof, for proof that God wants your joy and your maturity in Christ probably more than you even do, for proof that God loves you and that God is on your side, you need to look no further than the cross of Jesus Christ. Nobody, yes, nobody could look at the cross and simultaneously conclude that God intends anything less than their best interest, their absolute joy and completeness and fullness of life. And so in Philippians 4, verse 4, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. That's not a suggestion. That's a commandment. Rejoice in the Lord always. And always includes when I'm on the floor of my living room and the pain's so bad that I can't sleep always includes that. Now that's not a hollow word, always. Like, oh, my head feels like it's gonna split open. Praise to God, you're so good. Or my life is blowing up over here. God's awesome. You know, that's, that is stupid and hollow and fake and denying the reality that your situation that you're in is hard. And it's pretending to be something that you're not. Jesus did not do that. When Jesus hurt, people knew that he was hurting. When Jesus' friend Lazarus died, Jesus wept, Jesus cried. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was overwhelmed to the point of anguish and exhaustion that he literally was sweating blood. You don't pretend that things don't hurt. You don't close your eyes and pretend like hardships aren't there. Rejoicing in the Lord means somehow, through it all, our eyes are on him. And somehow, even when the pain 
feels suffocating sometimes. And even when there's tears and the exhaustion is unrelenting, we get God. The ultimate victory has been won and no storm, no matter how strong, will ever take that from you. No storm, no matter how dark, will hinder his ability to use the pain and suffering and evil that has happened in your life, turn it around for good and bring about beautiful things that accomplish the very opposite of what that evil intended to accomplish. Because even in the storm, the winds and the rain, man, they know his name and they tremble at the audible sound of Jesus Christ. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And because of that, even when hell breaks loose in our lives and the pain is real, and I get that, it can be well at the deepest levels of our soul. And that's what I want you guys to take away tonight, whether you believe it or not, because of what Jesus did on the cross, we get God. And because because we have God, we have everything we need. And we can pray for healing and restoration and have faith that God is good and those prayers are going to be answered. But even in the midst of pain and suffering, when blessing blows up right in front of our eyes, you can be okay even when you're not because you can do all, all things through Christ who strengthens you. So would you, guys, would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes real quick? I wanna ask this question right now. Um, there might be some of you in here who are in here and you're, you're mad at me in by, by no means was I trying to undermine any kind of pain in this room. That was never my intention. Just need you to know that. Um, I just need to be truthful about the message of the gospel and what this whole thing is about. We serve a good God who is in the business of restoring and healing. It's what he does. And if you're in here tonight and you're like, okay, this is me. I'm in a situation right now. I'm in a season of my life and it has been hard. And maybe you see the light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe you don't. But you know that God can and want to heal you. You know that he can and want to restore you. You know that he can and want to, wants to and will bring you out of it. But right now, man, you just need help. You need help to realize that you can be content in any and every situation because you have Jesus and that means that you can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives you strength, but you, you need help to do that. If that's you in here, I just want you to throw your hand up right now. My hand's up so I can pray for you. Just hands up all over this room. And, and you guys can put your hands down. And I wanna say this to you, if this is you, because this has been on my heart all week, you're sitting in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death, whatever that looks like in your life. And I wanna draw your attention to Psalms 23, where David writes about that. And I want you to notice the fact that he says, I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death. I don't sit down in the middle of it. I don't set up camp and throw a pity party in the middle of the valley. I stand up and I walk out of it and you have every right to stand up and walk out of the valley of the shadow of death that you're in the middle of right now. But that's a decision you need to make. Nobody can bring you out of the valley. You need to stand up and decide I am walking out of this right now. Trusting that Jesus will be with you and trusting that you can do all things because he is there. And that sometimes learning that you can do all things through him who strengthens you is a decision because oftentimes we don't feel it. Sometimes you just need to decide that regardless of how you feel and what your emotions are telling you, that truth in the Bible says that I can do all things because of Christ. So whether I feel it or not, I'm going to decide it. I'm going to decide that he knows what he's talking about and I'm gonna act like he knows what he's talking about. And as you act, like you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you and you can get through any trial and season with joy through Christ who strengthens you, I promise you, he will give you that strength and God will begin to instill 
a peace that transcends understanding in your heart and a joy that can survive even the worst seasons or days or trials of your life. He will prosper you internally, which is the greatest thing in the world, I promise you. God, I pray that you would prosper us internally. God, I know that you didn't create any of the suffering or any of the pain, any of the evil, God, that was never your plan, never your intention, God, but I know that you turn those things around to do some awesome things in our lives. You prosper us internally with the fruits of the Spirit in incredible ways, Father, and I pray that you give people the strength in here to decide that that is true for them so that they can let you do your thing in them, God. You do it so well. Instill peace that transcends understanding in the midst of the chaos. Give us joy that survives the worst day. And I've just been feeling this all day. If there's anybody in here and, and, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you're curious about it, I believe with all my heart that God has wooed you into this building tonight. God doesn't do coincidence. I believe that he's wooed you into this building. And I'll quote Judah Smith, but he quotes our famous verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And he, he draws attention to the so in front of loved, that God so loved, he didn't just loved, he, he so loved, he was obsessed with us, obsessed with you so much that he gave his one and only son to die on the cross for you. And I believe God is wooing you into this building tonight to hear that said to you because he wants a relationship with you so, so bad. You can choose to acknowledge this obsession towards you or you can ignore it, but the, session, the obsession will and will always remain because God is never changing and God is always faithful. And I promise you, you want a relationship with this God, this creator of the universe. It'll be a ride unlike you've never known before. You can legitimately know the creator of the universe. And so if you're in here tonight and you'd like for the first time to put your faith in Jesus Christ, would you raise your hand high, lift it high, lift it proudly. Praise God, this is the best decision that you will ever make in your entire life. I promise you that this is the coolest thing in the world. I'm gonna pray for you really quick. Heavenly Father God, I pray for the people that have just raised their hands to accept you into their life for the very first time. Heavenly Father, God, I praise you for how cool of a moment that is. God, I praise you for the stories that you're gonna start writing tonight. I pray for the miracles that have happened in this room. God, we love you so much. I thank you that you are a good God who turns even the hardships of this life around to do some incredible things. I pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And I want to say one more thing to you guys. Revelation 21.4 says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death. There will be no more sorrow or crying or pain. All of those things are gone forever. One day, maybe soon, that's happening. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. But right now, do you have any idea how much glory we could give to God when we as a family as young, of young adults collectively choose to praise his name regardless of the emotions that we feel right now and lift our hands to heaven and lift our hands to heaven in the midst of the trials because we know that underneath everything, God is good and we want to proclaim it at the top of our lungs. Man, any church can worship in the oasis. And if you're in a desert, an oasis is coming. That's just how it works. It's fantastic news. We have an awesome God. Man, but can you praise him in the desert? 
Do you have any idea how much glory that brings to his name when his children can praise him in the middle of the desert? Because you have complete control over your praise. Luke taught us that two weeks ago. Your praise is in your control and you can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives you strength and he will strengthen you. Let's stand and let's worship. I love you guys.